guys, and welcome back to another episode of Portrait Session on the Improved Photography Podcast. My name is Connor Hibbs, and today, as usual, I am joined by Miss Erica Kay. How are you doing today, Erica? I'm great, Connor. How are you? I'm I'm just peachy. I'm well, good. awake and energized and <laughs> feeling good about the world. Good. I'm glad to hear that. <laughs> yeah. So today, we wanted to have just a little bit of a conversational episode in which we are talking about light modifiers and which ones that we like. Um, we have some past episodes of Portrait Session in which we specifically went through, or I guess Erica and Nick, when he was still on the show, went through and... Um, actually tested and showed what different modifiers looked like. And this one, I, I wanted to just have a conversation more about not just, hey, this is what all these different modifiers do, but specifically talk about our own workflows and the way that we like to use modifiers and which ones we like and brands and this, that, and the other. Because I feel like I get those kinds of questions pretty frequently as mm-hmm. somebody that has kind of staked my flag in the land of artificial lighting. Mm-hmm. Um, so Erica... Do you have any favorite modifiers? I do. Um, it really depends on what type of situation I'm working in and what I'm lighting and, and the look that I'm going for. Yeah. But I do have, I find myself using a, at least the same brand pretty often and oftentimes very similar modifiers or, or modifiers that create similar light patterns or you know softness of light or whatever yeah. uh, in, in different situations. So for me, for speed lights, which is what I use primarily for weddings and, and shoots where I don't have a lot of time to really like set up a, a whole sh- slew of lights, studio yeah. lights. For the speed lights, I use my MagMod modifiers, which if you've listened to Portrait Session for a while, you're probably tired <laughs> of hearing me talk about talk about them, but they're awesome, and I use those a lot with my speed lights. <clears throat> Sorry. Uh, for my studio strobes, I really like the Paul C. Buff brand of, of modifiers, and oh, okay. when we talk a little bit more about studio lighting, because I'm sure you want to talk a lot about that, Connor, <laughs> yeah. I'll share the ones that I actually really like to use within that brand. Yeah, yeah, that's reasonable. So when you're using speed lights, is it pretty much exclusively MagMod that you're using? Because um, I mean, it, it seems like pretty much anything that you're shooting on location is usually going to be weddings where speed is definitely of the essence. Mm-hmm, right. Um, yeah, my, my go-tos are the uh, MagMod Grid and okay. the MagMod Sphere. Uh, those are my two. Those are the two that I, I almost always grab out of my bag. Um, I have almost the whole set, really, of MagMod stuff, but those are my yeah. two go-tos. Um, so yeah, so when I'm using my speed lights, that's what I use now. I hardly ever bust out like an umbrella or a softbox or anything like that. I yeah. know, I know that they're, you know, that's controversial. People are like, <laughs> what? How? You know, you really should invest in some some bigger modifiers and I'm you know I haven't felt the need to do that before I got into MagMod I was using those the you know the big soft boxes and the big octa boxes and umbrellas shoot through umbrellas and all this kind of stuff on my on my speed lights and yeah they produce really nice light and and they look great but they're big and they're heavy and when you have a huge bag like I do full of lenses and gear and lights and stuff the last thing I want to do is carry another huge bag uh, <laughs> full of modifiers so for me the look of magmod is almost just as good as these big expensive heavy modifiers so it's not worth it for me to you know invest in those big expensive ones to have to carry around those big huge heavy ones when 
really my magmods are producing a very similar quality of light. Yeah. Yeah. So, so from your magmods, what is it exactly about the quality of light that you like? I mean, it seems to me that the sphere is probably just going to be useful in any kind of reception hall where you're needing to spread the light out kind of in every direction. Um, but what is it about the grid that you like so much? So I actually use the sphere. Their modifiers are made to replicate the light of of the you know bigger modifier. So the yeah. sphere is actually made to replicate the light of an octobox. The balance is made to replicate the light of like a, sh- a big shoot through umbrella. Um, gotcha. So I use the sphere a lot for like portraits and things like that. Um, yeah. I use the grid a lot for you know anytime you would want to use a grid normally to just kind of. Uh, corral the light I guess and make it more of like a spotlight or a smaller area of light so sometimes I use it for portraits if I'm trying to do something kind of creative where I want to keep pretty much everything around the subject dark and I just want to light the subject I'll use the grid for that Um, I use it sometimes at receptions on the dance floor if I want to just have kind of a spotlight look on the couple as they're doing their first dance or whatever I'll use the grid for that Uh, and you know, that's it really. I do find myself still using bear flash a lot. So yeah. at receptions and things, I will take all modifiers off of my speed lights and just use bear flash and just let it spread. And then also I sometimes find myself using my grid and my sphere together. And that's the good thing about Magmod is that you can stack them and use, you know, multiple modifiers at once. So by using the the mag grid and the mag sphere together, you create a more, you know, a more spotlight look, but yeah. it's a softer light than not having the sphere on it. So putting the sphere on top of your good grid will make it more softer on the edges, less shadowy, less harsh, uh, but still have that kind of directional light because of the grid. That, that's really interesting. I wouldn't have thought about stacking those two together. They, they seem almost like they're counterintuitive, but it totally makes sense <laughs> yeah. that you would use... Uh, I mean, the effect that you sound, seem to be getting from them sounds like that actually makes sense and something you yeah. might want to do. Yeah, yeah, I would suggest people try it out if you haven't yet. Yeah, that's that's really cool. And I I would love to talk about modifiers for speed lights that I use, but realistically, I have all but stopped using speed lights. I still have mm-hmm. a couple that I'll I'll bring around on occasion, but usually if I'm using them, it's like kind of a vent work where I will just use bare bulb on either carrying it around and just holding the flash up by hand mm-hmm. or setting it on a stand somewhere nearby and shooting bare bulb. I, I, as far as speed light modifiers go, I'm really partial to a shoot through umbrella. Um, but a lot of that is just because they're, they're so cheap that yeah. I don't have to worry so much about, oh, if it blows over and breaks, I mean, I'm out Who $14. Cares? Like, right. it really does not matter. <laughs> I... I in fact, I, I bought and brought one with me on my trip to Scandinavia just in case I decided that I wanted to use it and ended up leaving it with my friends Jeanette and Lotta to let them just have it because they can't easily get something like that out there. And I'm like, hey, well, well, hey it's a nice g- little gift <laughs> that means very little to me to be given right. to you, but actually means something to you. So that's nice. that's one that I think is great just because of... It, you you barely need any budget at all to be able to have really nice soft light right. if you're looking for that. Um, personally, anymore when I'm going out on location, I either just shoot all natural light if it's like a family session, or I will bring my studio strobe and battery pack and everything with me and lug it around a little bit. Mm-hmm. And 
my favorite modifier when doing that is I, I just like bringing a beauty dish. I have a, I think it's a 22-inch beauty dish that I bring around with me. And the reason I like that is similar reasons to the umbrella is I'm whenever I'm out in the field, I have to consider that wind happens and things like that. And a beauty just, dish just doesn't catch wind in the yeah, same way as a absolutely. modifier. So uh, I, I don't have to worry about a soft bat box not even being blown over, but just turning on on the stand or anything mm-hmm. like that because it's a giant sail. It's just a, a metal thing that's at the front. And I have had a couple of incidents where things got blown over and not good things happen. <laughs> and, um, a, a couple months back, I had my I had everything set up in a field and a gust of wind blew over my stand and snapped the bracket, the mounting bracket of my Einstein, Oh no! which was just terribly heartbreaking. But after I did a little bit of research into it, I realized that uh, for less than $75, I can send this into Pulse Buff and they'll just replace the whole thing. So it cost me a little bit. It was a mistake that I wasn't thrilled with, but it was much better than having to, you know, buy a new $500 strobe. Yeah, um, for sure. So so considerate, considering the fact that if you're out in public or out somewhere where the elements are a factor, just the, that sale, how much of a sale you are creating with your modifier is definitely something mm-hmm. to consider. And Absolutely. that's one reason why I really like having my beauty dishes. It, it yeah. doesn't act so much like a sale. Yeah, and you know what? I love the beauty dish too. When I'm working with my studio strobes, I use the beauty dish a lot. But I only use it if I'm working with one person. Maybe two. Maybe two I can get away with it, but you can't use it if you're going to shoot a large group of people or a family or anything like that because the light just doesn't spread enough. However, that being said, it produces such beautiful light. So I use the uh, Paul C. Buff. um, uh, I think it's a 30 or... 32 or maybe even a 36 i don't i don't know what it is um it's a kind of a larger one but the light that it produces is just beautiful and you can use it with a grid without a grid with the diffuser without the diffuser it doesn't matter how you use it because any way you use it it produces really really beautiful light you know some will be a little more shadowy and contrasty than others but it's regardless it 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 is just a really nice modifier. I just used it yesterday actually for an on figure shoot for a t-shirt company that I'm working with. Um, and I, it was just one person in the t-shirt up against, you know, just a white backdrop. And it yeah. was, it was a really nice light for that. It was, it spreads enough to be able to get, you know, kind of the face and the, the body and into the legs a little bit, which is what you need for a photo like that um, while creating really nice, light and and wrapping light if you use it correctly definitely so and and you know what i'm going to actually take a stand here and say i disagree with you just a little bit in that i actually don't mind shooting smaller groups of people with a beauty dish if i'm okay with using harder light um Mm -hmm. the the drawback is that a beauty dish really is meant to be used pretty close to a subject and it is really designed to be a one maybe two person modifier but I've been finding recently that I actually don't mind lighting four to five people with it having it a little bit further away and it's just it it ends up being a bit of a harsher light than what you might get from uh, an appropriately large size modifier but then I don't (laughs) have to worry so much about again it being a sail in the wind right Um, so so 
Actually, I'm, I'm now worried that I'm giving bad advice because it's something <laughs> that if you know what you're doing, it's not so bad with small groups. Um, but yeah. So do you for, use something else to fulfill or even a reflector or anything to kind of... Usually, usually when I am doing this, I am not actually trying to fully light the family or I'll just say family because usually that's what the situation is. I'm mm-hmm. not trying to light them entirely with that light. I'm using it more as a fill light of its own in kind of an ambient, brighter, uh, got it, got it. Um, way. So maybe I should clarify that. I'm not specifically trying to overpower my ambient light with that strobe. I am just trying to add a little bit of extra fill for any of the harsh shadows that might be cast when out in the world. Got it. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. I can see how that would be a good a good light source or a modifier then. Totally. Yeah. It's 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 not bad. It it can be useful at certain times and again, I I think in this instance, I, maybe it's even just laziness of I don't want to bring around sandbags <laughs> with me out and out into a field, but um it just seems to be a good balance between a pretty good modifier that is also sturdy and is not going to catch too much wind. Sure. Yeah. Totally. All right, so next up, we're going to be talking about shooting with modifiers in a studio. But first, we're going to have a message from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by the Improve Photography Store. Check it out at improvephotography.com and then click on Premium Tutorials or Store. We have all kinds of tutorials available for you there, but also you'll find contracts that you can use in your photography business, Lightroom presets, and more. Check them out for as little as $15. We have premium training available to you. That's at improvephotography.com and then click on store. Welcome back to this episode of Portrait Session. Today we are talking about using light modifiers and Erica's and my personal preferences for different types of situations. So now we're going to hop in from being out in the field to shooting with lights in studio. So Erica, do you have any preferences for studio shooting as far as light modifiers go? I do. So actually, one of my favorites is the beauty dish, like we were talking about a few minutes ago. But if I'm, um, you know, wanting to move away from the beauty dish and and use a different modifier or if I'm shooting larger groups or whatever, strangely enough, one of my favorites (laughs) is a strip box. Uh, I still sticking with the Posse Buff brand. I really like uh, I think the one that I use is like a 14 by 60. So it's it's really tall They're beefy ones yeah. yeah it's very tall um and i usually will i will set up two of them one on either side and sit them either completely vertical or just at a tiny tiny bit of a diagonal and that allows me to have you know some kind of contrasty light it's not just one big light source lighting everybody it's two onto the on the side like 45 degrees or so f- between the uh subject and myself and sometimes I'll have them at varying power levels so that maybe one's a little brighter than the other but by doing that you get really cool catch lights so you get two like uh, vertical catch lights in everybody's eyes which makes it look pretty awesome and you get some nice shadows and and contrast and you know the the look that that type of modifier creates is just really beautiful you can also use those modifiers as like rim lights so you can get some nice um light kind of coming down people's shoulders or down the side of their faces all the way down their whole body so if you're doing like a full body portrait of someone and you want to have their whole body rim lit is that a word sure 
Okay, Why not? We'll use that. Um, then using a really tall strip box like that will add some really cool rim light all the way down the whole length of a person's body. Yeah, totally. That's uh, I, I have one really tall, long um, strip box that I, I, it was actually the first strip box that I ever bought and I thought that I would use it a lot. And I, I don't really think that having that kind of length is super necessary, but I could definitely see how if you're doing full body portraits that that mm-hmm. could be pretty cool to have the same intensity all the way along the rim light down the person. Yeah. It is. And like you said, the intensity is the thing. You can have a full body rim light with, you know, a soft box or something like that, but it's going to fall off and you're not going to see it as much, you know, down at the lower part of the body as you would with a strip box, which is lighting the entire body evenly. Yeah, definitely not. Like I, so, so I would also put strip boxes towards the top of my favorites list. Um, because, I mean, I just like to do lots of stuff that's in short light um, with lots of contrast and shadows. If you've ever seen any of my work, mm-hmm. I, it's a lot of darkness. Um, <laughs> and and with that, I really love the control that I can get with a strip box. So it because mine are, I think that they're a foot wide. They might be less than a foot wide. They're, they're like 56 inches tall and yeah, yeah we'll just say a foot, foot wide. And you can just really control exactly where you want that light to fall and you're able to feather both towards and away from the camera to to kind of have the light Mm -hmm. either wrap around the front of the person or wrap around the back of the person just creating a very thin strip of light that's around them and I I just find that as far as my nerdery goes with lighting I really (laughs) like being able to just have that super precise control that I've only really been able to control as well as I Words, come on, Connor. Um, <laughs> but I, I can control it much better with a strip box than anything else that I've found so far. Um, I, I used to try and do the same thing with larger soft boxes that had grids on them. Mm-hmm. And you, you can definitely get a lot of control with that as well. But even still, I would rather have a strip box without a grid than a soft box with grids to be able to get that kind of feathered look I to agree. my room lights. Yeah. I agree. And I feel like, you know, I'm a short person. I am actually yeah. 60 inches tall. So these strip boxes <laughs> that I use are the exact height of me. And some people are like, Jeez. how do you how do you do this? But, you know, for me, it's easier to, to deal with that because it's thin. It's only 14 inches as a pair yeah. as compared to my big soft boxes, which are I have like a 30 by 40 and a 30 by 60. I have really big soft boxes and those are heavier and wider and more difficult to manage. So even though this thing is as tall as me, I prefer to use it because it's thinner and it's easier for me to, to maneuver and to carry. <laughs> yeah, they are. They are definitely much less cumbersome than um, some of these larger modifiers and, and even some of the lighter big modifiers are it's not so much that they're heavy but they just are a sail so yeah. lifting them up it's like you you're pulling all of this wind with you and it's just kind of a very awkward slow process that yep uh, yeah especially when you have to do it one-handed because you have to you know pull the light the little light <laughs> yeah. tab down to be able to put it on yeah i feel yeah like, totally Connor. and and i mean i'm i'm not a, a little petite one. I'm I'm just about six foot three, and even still, I feel your pain there. That some bigger <laughs> modifiers can be a huge pain in the butt to have to try and move yeah. around in yeah. the studio. Absolutely. So, so would you say that the strip box is your favorite key light, or just kind of, uh, or key modifier, or is it just 
a general favorite in studio? I would say probably general favorite. All right. My my favorite key light modifier. Oh, it's so tough. Because I love the beauty dish and I love the strip, but I also really love my gigantic PLMs. Yeah. They the, produce... Oh, go ahead. Uh, your, your PLM, so that's um, mm-hmm. a parabolic light modifier. Yep. Are you mm-hmm. using shoot-through or reflective types of PLMs? Both. I have... I have a... I think I have three of them. I have an extreme silver, a like regular silver or something like that, and a shoot-through. Okay. And I use them all. I use them all for f- different situations. And sometimes I'll use all three in one shoot. Uh, but I love the light that it produces. It's oh, because yeah. it's so gigantic. So if you don't know what a PLM is, it's basically a really, really huge, gigantic umbrella. Um, I could probably fit like five of myself inside inside of these they they are huge they're really big they're not something that you probably want to take outside very often if you do take it outside you better make sure you have people with you and you have lots of sandbags because when connor was talking about you know things flying away and and sails (laughs) and all kinds of stuff earlier this thing is like it could probably drive a sailboat it's so big oh yeah Um, oh yeah so be very careful if you take it outside (laughs) But since it is so large, it produces really a really large, beautiful light source. And because it's, again, because it's so large, it has a very big arch in the umbrella part of it. So yeah. it allows the the light to really wrap and make almost like a round feel, I guess, a round look because it wraps so much, especially when you're shooting into it and it reflects off the surface and then comes back out. It creates a very round source of light. Awesome. Yeah. So I'm, I'm going to put a little bit of pressure on you now and say, if you had to choose one of your PLMs that you would say is your favorite, which one would you choose? One of my PLMs, probably just the regular silver. The silver? One. Yeah. And, and are you putting any kind of diffusion on this silver yeah. thing? Or mm-hmm. just it has a diffuser, diffuser sock or whatever they call them on it. Yeah. So it softens it a little bit. But having that silver inside does add a little bit of of sparkle and a little bit of contrast and that's the difference between like the just the regular silver and the extreme silver the extreme silver is almost like it's shining first into a mirror before it gets diffused so it's yeah it's kind of harsh and shadowy and punchy is a great description of it and then the regular silver is you know a step down from that it's kind of in between that and then just shooting through the plm itself so it yeah. it gives a little bit of punch and a little bit of contrast, but not as much as the extreme silver. Yeah, I mean, out of out of all the PLMs, I really i I think that I would say that my favorite is the shoot through, and I like to use the shoot through PLM not as a key light, but um, as a fill. So if mm-hmm. I'm using a smaller modifier such as a beauty dish that has kind of a rapid fall off for a face, and I want to do mm-hmm. a full body, I'll, I'll kind of light the face with that beauty dish and then use a large shoot-through parabolic a little bit behind it um, or off to the other side to kind of fill in with light for the rest of the body. So in more fashionable type shots, you can see all of the um, wardrobe that's happening nice. in the shot. Yeah, and, yeah. Like it, it's it's one of those that if I were going for a large soft light, I don't know that that would be my first choice in a studio. But that's just mm-hmm. because um, similar to earlier when we, we were talking about strip lights, I like having the control of mm-hmm. a, 
a, a softbox type modifier. So my, yeah, my, you're not getting control with the PLM. It's just a lot of light. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a ton of light. And if you it, like, especially if you're shooting in studio doing boudoir or something like that, where you're really wanting lots of light and that kind of look. I don't know why I specifically singled out boudoir because you can do that with a lot of things. But <laughs> if you're going What's for a lighter mind, studio look or high key, it can be awesome for that. But uh, because I like my work to be really dark and control the pools of light, um, it, the spread from a PLM can just be a little bit too much for me. Yeah, it's definitely, it's, I would say it's only a good modifier for certain types of photography. You know, yeah. if if you shoot a lot like you do, kind of dark and moody and that kind of stuff, you're not yeah. going to want to use a PLM a lot. And, you know, I am also more of a dark and moody photographer, and I just find myself using the PLM in certain situations. Either I'm trying to do something really light and bright and airy, and I don't want the contrast, or I'm lighting a really large group of people or something yeah. like that. It is a big light source. It does not, you don't have grids or anything for it to really be able to control the spread of the light. The point of a PLM is to have a lot of light spreading over a large surface. That wraps really well. Exactly. Because, yeah, definitely does that. Yeah, I, I would say that if I were to try and pick my one favorite, I'm also kind of torn between a bigger, softer modifier and like a beauty dish type look. But mm -hmm. as of the last few months, I've become really, really fond of a an Octobox. I really like a 60-inch Octobox. Um, I, I have one of my own that is made by the company Photo Deox which yeah. is my personal recommendation for any kind of modifiers. I love that company and we'll sing their praises to the end of the earth. Nice. Um, but uh, in our studio, we also have the Paul C. Buff Octobox, which I've found that I like probably just a little bit more than the, the Photo Deox one that I have because it's a bit deeper. So the, having a deeper large modifier kind of helps to control that light a little bit more. It focuses it a bit more, where mm. the one that I have from Photo Deox is kind of shallow and you get a little bit more of a spread. It's, it's kind of a subtle difference between the two of them, um, but I have just found that the, the slightly deeper modifier of an, an Octobox or um, I, I've even seen those I forget what they're called, the Zeppelins from mm -hmm. Westcott, I think. Mm -hmm. um, deep modifiers that are really large and soft like that are just super fun to play around with and probably my personal favorite. Um, ah, it's in competition with, with a strip box, though, which is also pretty good. <laughs> the the thing so is that I just use choose. them for different reasons. Yeah, Exactly. That's what I was going to say. They're they're perfect for different situations, so it's, hard, it's really hard to choose just one overall favorite. Yeah. Like, uh, but that's, that's almost fun though, to, to have that. Okay. If like, we'll say, if you could only have one modifier for studio shooting, what would your one modifier be? It's a terrible question. Strip. I know. <laughs> strip. I'm going to go with a strip box. Yep. That's, Cause you that's can light choice. one person. You can light, you can turn it sideways, you know, lay it horizontal and large and, totally. and shoot a large group with it. So it, I think maybe it's the most diverse. Yeah. I, I think that a strip is probably definitely the most diverse. I think that. I would probably choose a, a deep octobox in about a 60 inch size and there you go probably wouldn't be able to do as much with it but I would just go for if I had the money for one modifier or had to stick with one modifier I'd just try and keep a consistent look with one yeah that's a good it. that's a good plan <laughs> yeah <laughs> 
<laughs> oh gosh, yeah, this is this is a fun conversation. I could talk about lighting modifiers for forever. So, Erica, if you were to make recommendations to anybody that was just starting to get into shooting, um, both a, a, an outdoor recommendation or an indoor recommendation, what would you recommend somebody get for their first modifier? For their very first. Yeah, I think I'd have to go back to what you said earlier and just a simple, cheap shoot-through umbrella. Yeah, that's that it's, is definitely a good choice. Yeah, it's it produces nice light. They are so affordable, and they're easy. You know, they're easy to carry. They're easy to set up. They're lightweight. It's a great thing to practice with when you're first starting out with lighting. I, that was the first thing that I ever tried yeah. when I you know when I was first starting with off-camera flash and I think that's pretty typical for most people the good thing about it is if it falls over and breaks who cares you can buy another one for 15 bucks you know totally. just use a nice nicer light stand that's maybe gonna not fall over as easily put your bag on it or invest in a sandbag or something to kind of weigh it down just to give yourself a little bit more protection but it's not the end of the world if it does fall because they're so cheap yeah, definitely so. And I mean, not all shoot-through umbrellas are created equal. Some of them are pretty... Exactly. Uh, um, not great. But realistically, even the the bad ones, it's more just a matter of longevity. I think that my first... I, I still had my first shoot-through umbrella until I left it at a venue earlier this year. Um, wow. That's impressive. And, and this one that I bought, for whatever reason, has just held up for years. Um and then every other one that I've had will last me maybe half a season if I'm using it on a regular basis. But I, I think that I would tend to agree with you, Erica, because not not only is it inexpensive, so you don't have to worry in case something falls over, but um, it's a really good modifier for starting to understand mm -hmm. the positioning of lighting. Mm -hmm. um, it's it's going to be pretty forgiving, so if you don't have everything set perfectly, it, it'll still look pretty nice. Um, but I think that it's it's just one of the most forgiving soft lights that you can have for, I mean, we're talking 15 to $20 versus something that is of a similar size of a softbox or something more controllable, more controllable on the light end of things is going to be close to like a hundred. Um, right. So, so I, I think that that is a great first modifier to use. Well, good. Um, I'm glad you, we're in agreement. Yeah. Now, Erica talking, I know that you said earlier that you, use mostly Paul C. Buff brand modifiers. Mm -hmm. Is is that a brand loyalty thing? What What is it about Paul C. Buff that you like? Would you recommend that to other people trying to build their modifier collection? Um, I mean, yes, I've been very happy with all their stuff. I unfortunately don't have any other studio like strobe modifiers to be able to c compare them to. So it's not like yeah. I can say, oh yes, they're the best uh, because I've, I've not worked with any other brand. Uh, the reason why I have those is just because I use the Palsy Buff Einstein lights and I, you know, just yeah. kind of ordered everything together and, and stuck with the brand. Um, but <laughs> I love them. Never have had any problem with them. I've been using them for a few years and just now am I seeing a little bit of wear and tear or stitching com coming apart and they're used almost every day for the past several, maybe three years or something. So, yeah. and, you know, in my opinion, I feel like they're holding up very well for the amount of of use that they get so yeah i would definitely recommend them i think they are you know they're not the cheapest yeah. that you can find they're definitely not the most expensive you can find um, and i've been really happy with them <laughs> yeah that's I, I think that that's great there there are some brands that i think are definitely worth the money and then other 
companies that make stuff that I'm not so positive are worth as much as they're charged for. But Palsy Buff, um, as I said, my studio has a few of their modifiers, and I'm I'm definitely impressed with the build quality there. So if you have studio mm-hmm. strobes, I, I think that they even have. Um, what are they called? Speed mount rings that you can change out for different yeah, types of strobes they or do, yeah. um, speed lights. My, my biggest criticism of them is because they are a very sturdy build, they're also pretty bulky and heavy to, to try and move around. <laughs> yeah, they um, are. So so definitely something to look at in kind of a mid-range modifier. Um, as I said earlier, my personal preference towards modifiers is heavily towards photodeox. If photodeox makes a product, I would rather try them first over anyone else. Um, the, the specific line that I love from them is the Easy Pro. So they have a pro version that's the old style that are just kind of like setting up a tent that you kind of have to stretch a, a pole and get it perfectly <laughs> in the hole, and it's annoying. And um, I think I timed myself once, and when I was at the fastest that I was with those before I moved to the Easy Pro, it still took me about 25 minutes to get three modifiers set up Oh my gosh. And ready to go. Where That's the crazy. Easy Pro, it's it's like an umbrella type um, mount. So so all it is is like you you just push the umbrella down and it opens up and it's ready to go. So it takes we're talking ten seconds per mm-hmm. modifier versus five to ten minutes for the old style softboxes. Yeah, that's so how the Pulsy Buff ones around. are too. Yeah, yeah. The Pulsy Buff is awesome for for being able to to pop up like that. So I, why I do you that, like those so much better? Um, I like them. I, it started out because of a budget thing. So um, I think that their um, their 36 by 48 modifier, it, it, just a rectangular softbox, I think is about uh, $60, something like that. Yeah, that's a good versus, price. Versus, um, you know, a Palsy Buff in a similar size would probably be somewhere around 150 100, to yeah, 200 exactly. Somewhere in there. And um, it... It, for it being a less expensive modifier from all of the cheaper modifiers that I've tested, it has the best build quality. I wouldn't say it's quite as strong as a Palsy Buff, but it, they're they're pretty solid modifiers and can take a bit of a beating um, before before breaking down. I've had one break on me, and that was because I dropped my light on it, um, like oh, just no. face down and, and just had a rod stick out of a corner. So it's something that if I had sewing skills, I could even keep... I, I could bring it back to life from there but um i'm lazy and they're they're not terribly expensive (laughs) as a professional so i just got a new one so i I like them a lot and i i actually have been in contact with some of their uh, marketing people recently because they just how i was talking earlier about how i love the 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 depth of the policy buff um octobox they have actually recently released a deep octobox of their own they have yet to be up in a size that i would really love to see which is like a 60 inch but i think that they have a 48 inch that i'm going to see if i can't get and test out and maybe be able to recommend to everybody in the next couple months yeah that would be great i'd love to hear your thoughts on it for sure yeah yeah they're they're just a, a pretty awesome company that seems to stand behind their stuff that i like a lot not I would say that Palsy Buff would be my next greatest recommendation to anybody looking mm-hmm. to get a modifier because they're also a really cool company that stands behind their products, and I like that in a company. Good. I do, too. <laughs> <laughs> well, I feel like I might have talked myself out when talking about modifiers. Erica, is there anything else that you would like to say? I don't think so. All right. I think I said well, it all. 
thank you so much miss erica for joining me and thank you all of you listeners for joining us during this episode we will talk to you in another month take care you guys